Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to another Happy Pod, the only podcast in the world. My name is Nathan. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Lawrence Thomas. Hi, C. Uh, hello. Hello. No rude name. Oh, I don't know. I was I was thinking. I was hoping something would come to me. It didn't. Hello. Hello. Our brains are a bit fried anyway. We've just spent the better part of forty minutes doing technical fixing. You did. Yeah, but you were the guy in the chair. You were you were directing me through it. So what I'm saying is, we have a right to be tired and not fully with. <laughs> Great. Well, that's that's exactly what you want to say right when you're about to start a podcast. They know what this is. They they know what we're about by now. Uh, hello, how are you? Slapping your mic. It's new. Uh, yes, I'm still getting to grips with the fact that I can't touch my desk much anymore. You can if you get a shock mount. Listen to this. Listen to this. See that? That's me touching my desk. <laughs> I can still hear it a tiny bit, but I'll get the shock mount anyway. But it's not. Ba-doom. What kind of an idiot buys a microphone for himself and doesn't buy a shock mount? I'm a fool. What can I say? Is this how this podcast usually starts? I, well, I was thinking maybe there was a segment that we do, but there's not really, is there? <gasps> I know what's thrown no. us off. You normally tell me to shut up and then ask me what we do. Oh, yeah, see, something did not it didn't. feel right. That's why I'm, my game is off. No, there was this, there was this really weird <laughs> energy, and something did not feel right. Lawrence, no one, any, no one cares about everything that just <laughs> happened. Tell us what this show is all about. 
We, full disclosure, we haven't recorded in like two weeks almost. <laughs> Clearly, it's it's thrown us. Lawrence, tell us what's happening. For the happening. first time in history, I am happy to hear you say those words. Nathan, this is the show where we get together and we talk about all things pop culture related. We talk about movies. We talk about TV shows. We talk about games. That is coming up. Not as soon as we anticipated, but definitely soon. <laughs> Nathan shooting me dirty side, so bombastic side eyes. I believe is the is the new term the kids are calling it. Did you do your thing? No, I'm still haven't done it. <laughs> we try and have a good time. We keep it positive. Uh, that is that is what we do here. Does it feel better now? Uh, a little bit, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. So this is the show. Welcome everyone. Now now that we're all caught up. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I like how that's mainly for me and you at this point. Like everyone that is listening probably knows what we talk about and that intro. Well, every every podcast is someone's first podcast. That's true. That's the golden rule. You always you you have to record every podcast as if it's going to be the first time that someone is introduced to your show. As like if you were to find a new podcast, do you start at number one or do you just start where they currently are at? It depends on the podcast. Mm. Because like if it's got like a specific theme or something, I'd I'd probably like for example do go on another podcast I listen to when I was first starting that that's a podcast where they do like uh, reports on stuff that happened in history and big events and notable stuff and that sort of thing. So the way I got into that was just choosing something that seemed interesting to me, uh, and I picked a few out um, and then just went and listened to the whole catalog because I really yeah. liked it. Things like. Like this podcast, another happy pod, you you can easily just scroll through and like pick out a movie or a TV show you're interested in and and just listen to that one, which I'm sure some people do. My dad has started listening to the podcast. Hello, my dad. Hello, Carl. Hello, my dad. And he's um, doing exactly that. He's just going through, finding things. He because he was gonna go star from Solo right at the beginning. And I said, "Don't do that. That's that's a bad. That's a bad idea." You watched that. You watched all your dad's pride of you in his eyes just fade away, and you were like, "No, I can't let that happen. No, sir." He, he messaged me the other day. He said he listened to the um, the District Nine episode, the one where Connor had to make microwave chicken halfway through. And he, he I cannot remember a single thing that was said on that episode, but he seemed to enjoy it. So well, that's all right. So there we go. That's and that's good. what we do anyway, it for. Shout we, out to my dad. <laughs> yeah, we do it for Carl. Um, well, I imagine a fair few people will pick up this one, hopefully anyway. Because um, Guardians 3, Marvel. We don't do a lot of Marvel anymore. No, it's your favourite franchise. You uh, you love Marvel. You're always first in line to see uh, every movie when it comes out and stuff. You're you're very excited for it. Uh, so you was, you was chomping at the bit to see uh, the latest instalment of um, Guardians of the I Galaxy. Was, I mean, I was for this one, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I hate this joke, because, like, I don't know... I don't quite know, like, the parameters of it. Like, because you're right. I do see a lot of them in the cinema. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's just something to see. Not, And that's not a bad thing at all. No. Oh, you go see movies. Oh, <laughs> got him. <laughs> No, but like, it, I, just on the podcast in general, I think we've, there's too much, if we if we were to speak about everything Marvel, this podcast would almost be half Marvel. Yeah, we, we'd never, we'd never stop. We'd be like the Marvel podcast, which I don't want to be. And, <laughs> you know, and I don't want to say Marvel has fallen off, but it's not as shiny as it once was. No. And that's, that's part and parcel with like, it's old now. Like, it's not like, yeah. 
it's not as shiny, but it's also kind of like the stuff that everyone fell in love with is mostly gone, and it's now new stuff that no one's that all that interested in. I don't want to say no one. It's still making. I mean, is it making a lot of money <laughs> anymore? Uh, how did this do? This was the last movie, wasn't it? It didn't like fucking blow the roof off anything. It didn't make a billion, but it did. This, I think this came in just before, like, the summer of all the flops. By the way, when did fucking a billion dollars become, like, the benchmark of... <laughs> <laughs> this, oh, this movie is, is, is acceptable because it made a billion... Fuck off! All right, that's, like... Do you know how many movies have made a billion... It's so few. Like, yeah. in terms of the grand scheme of movies there are and movies that have crossed a billion dollars, it's such an exclusive club. It is. Stop that. It is, but it's like we were saying the other day at the end of the Barbie podcast. They spend so much fucking money on them now that if they don't make a billion, they just don't see it as viable. First of all, yeah, but I do not care about a corporation's profits. No, nor do I. <laughs> yeah, so, like, that's their problem. <laughs> Fuck them. I don't care. I don't fucking care if you make your money back or not. All right? <laughs> that's your fault for spending fucking 400 million on it, you fucking idiots. Yeah. But... But no, but, yeah, but yeah. like I don't, I don't know. I feel like this one, this one did well. I uh, worldwide, eight hundred and forty-five million. Well, there we which go. Which is very good. <laughs> very good. That's extremely respectable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Especially in the same summer where like an Indiana Jones movie made like a hundred million or something ridiculously bad. First Guardians of the Galaxy made seven hundred and seventy-three million, and uh, Guardians Two made eight hundred and sixty-nine, which is just above. So it's about around about the same benchmark sort of so yeah so he's he's three for three on a very tightly nice average <laughs> yes my god yeah they're gonna feel his absence i think um but yeah all right tell you what let's rip the rip the band-aid off what do you think when did you first see this as well uh sometime ago <laughs> when, um, when it came out right not straight away like I waited a bit. It was a few weeks into its run, I think. It was whenever Spider-Verse came out across the Spider-Verse, it was that weekend because oh, I went yeah. to see because I went to see Spider-Verse and this on the same day. I did the the double feature. The roller coaster um, of emotion. I love that when you go out to the coaster. cinema you're like I'm here. I may as well see a bunch. I got, I got to pack it in. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not. I'm not coming back. Like, let's let's, let's get this done while we're here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm doing one trip. Yeah. So I'll make the most exactly. of it. No, I think. That's it. I don't know. What, what do you think of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three? Yeah. Um. Look. No. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, don't do your look thing that you do. I like doing my look thing. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's good. It's good. It's great. It's uh, it's good fun. It's very. It's clearly made with a lot of passion and love for both the characters and just filmmaking in general. Um, you you can you kind of get the sense that it is like sort of a swan song for for both the the cast and crew really. Um, and and yeah, I feel like it's a it's a fitting end to the the trilogy with some spin-offs in between of of the Guardians really. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. I think it's good. I think it's a good movie. Hot take from me. <laughs> Even hotter take from me. I too think it is a good movie. Boo, you're a hack. I know, I know. No, I don't know. I feel like I in this watch, I kind of realised something that it's like... Because obviously this, this was so fucking heavily delayed because they fired James Gunn, rehired James Gunn, but James Gunn was busy 
So he had to wait to start production on this, then COVID, then it finally yeah. released. So by this point, these characters are very much like pre-Endgame characters. They started the phase yeah. in the run-up to like the Infinity Saga. And now that everyone's firmly out of that, and we've been out of it for like an entire phase now, and there's so many fucking new characters. Oh yeah, this is, is this the first? Wait, no. This is the second movie of phase five. I, I, is it? Yeah, it's either that or like the tail end of Phase Four. I don't fucking. <laughs> no, I think I think Black Panther was the last movie in Phase Four. Oh, okay, four. right. Um, so Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantum Shy, and um, and this I think are the first two. Has there been anything else? I think it's those, those two that have been in the movie, the movies. Yeah, it's been a while since I gave a shit about a group of characters in Marvel. Like, but yeah, but right, basically, I just think that this is like. The whole movie in itself is, like, motivated by, like, something, like, desperate. And, like, the whole plot kicks off because they're trying to save one of their friends who is, like, has a very real possibility of dying. Not only because it's the last movie, so people, a lot of people were expecting this movie to kill off Rocket. Yes, mainly because <laughs> the marketing for this movie was, like, we're going to fucking kill this <laughs> raccoon. Like, I saw a I saw a meme that was, like, you know, like the John Wick poster where he's <laughs> just surrounded by, like, people holding guns at him? It was just Guardians 3 marketing being, like, it was just Rocky in the middle of... Like, just everyone pointing, because that is yeah. the, the market. It was, like, straight away, like, we're going to kill yeah. this raccoon. So I was like, well, obviously you're not then. So, but... But whatever, that's that's not the movie's fault. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's it. I was I was thinking there while he was talking. It's um, it's 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 not world-ending stakes, which is strange to say about a movie where a world literally ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very true. <laughs> yeah, because it's not. It's it's kind of more low-key. You know, it's not Thanos. It's not big fucking end of the universe stuff. It's it's a more personal to the guardians mm. really which which i which i quite enjoy i think it's it's more of a fitting story than some big cosmic million spaceship you know all that shit and yeah stuff, so, it, it's yeah. it's a group of people on their own fetch quest that kind of get caught up in like we should probably fuck <laughs> this guy up while we're here like it's the right thing yeah. to do yeah um and I don't know, I feel like... Do, do you remember something that I thought about watching this is, like, do you remember in Endgame, like, the whole hype for Endgame was, like, there's been such a fucking catastrophic loss and death. Yeah. How the fuck do we come back from that? And then, like, all the heroes are, st are like, some are defeated, some are desperate, some are hopeful. And when you some go in... Scrolls. Huh? Some of them are scrolls. Some of them are scrolls now. <laughs> yeah. I don't buy it. I don't buy it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but like they we everyone went into that movie so excited because like it was fueled by something that mattered like at the end of this movie we were either gonna get a bunch of our characters back or they were gonna stay dead they were never gonna stay dead but that's the movie stakes no. yeah yeah and in this i feel like it's the same thing like everyone doing stuff like the amount of times like they just go into a tra an obvious trap or like something that they probably shouldn't do and they're like, we don't have time to give a fuck. Like, we got shit to do. We're, or we're on a stop clock. Like, yeah. otherwise we lose our mate. I don't know. Kind of, yeah, just, it felt like it mattered in a way, if that make, which is so silly, but it did. And it's about yeah. a raccoon. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's a cool raccoon. I mean, it is. It's He's true. got a Brooklyn accent. Why has he got a Brooklyn accent? No, no. And even as a child, too, like when he's a little <laughs> yeah. baby and he's... 
I'm a little raccoon. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm definitely not a pitch-shifted Bradley Cooper whatsoever. Don't, don't I don't think it is. I think in the credits, it was someone else. Do you reckon they, like, merged a voice? Because Bradley Cooper's 100% doing it as well. I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think it might have been maybe Sean Gunn. I don't know. Sean, is Sean, I know Sean Gunn's a mocap, but is he, does he voice act as well? I don't know. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. Who knows? Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's another thing to say as well. Like straight away, I think this is like it, it's crazy that the opening shot of this is a tracking shot of a raccoon walking around, uh, like a, a, a basically the base, which is a a dead god's head, and it still feels more tangible and like you can touch elements of it than in <laughs> like the quantum realm of Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantum Mania. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more. This is this kind of goes back to what the conversation we were having ages ago. I can't even remember if it was on the podcast, but like, this is what happens when you bring someone that gives a shit versus someone that's there to, like, maybe give a shit, but also roll over if Kevin says so. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> a conflicted man. <laughs> See, it's difficult because, like, I agree, but like, I don't know. We and we've had this discussion before. I don't think it was on the podcast. We were just talking one time. Yeah. Um. And and I I don't necessarily think that Peyton Reed was um just like yeah sure whatever like yeah I don't think I I I think it's just unfortunate the way the movie turned out. But I don't think that like um he was just like oh, I don't really care about this movie mm. sort of thing and I'll make it look shit if we need to just get a quick one out maybe that's naive of me maybe I just I don't know I just like to think filmmakers um want to make films rather than yeah. just you know just roll over and do what fucking studio execs tell them to do um it and again it is difficult to argue because there is a clear difference in the, in the results of if you do compare this to to Ant-Man and the uh, Quantumania, because, yeah, that movie looks like fucking shit. It, <laughs> it, it, it looks like... Abs- and I hate to say that, because I really hate to, you know, discredit the work of the um, VFX artists and that sort of thing, especially at this, uh, this time with everything going on. Yeah. Uh, and it's not their fault at all. It's because, you know, they're fucking underpaid and overworked and given fucking no time to to do the the job that they need to do really um but but yeah the, it just does not look great um i feel like probably more attention was paid to this movie more resources were allowed to guardians because guardians was probably always going to make more money oh. than ant-man 3 yeah. so i think it's it's kind of that sort of thing that's that's yeah i i see where you're coming from because like my cynical take would be like the, the basically the 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 one-liner take that would sum up my cynical approach to it is like some some directors want to make movies and some directors want to make a million dollars, basically. So, but I, I don't think that's the case, though. No, I don't, yeah. I don't think any... Or maybe, but if you want to make a million dollars, why would you be a director? Because, like, it's not an easy job. No. There's, there's so... Especially if you're, like, already a name in the industry, there's, like easy fucking ways for you to make a million dollars like i i just think that like if you want to make a movie then you clearly have to have a love and passion for it. and again maybe i'm just being very bright-eyed and naive here <laughs> but i don't know i just i just like to think and because 
Peyton Reed has made good movies though mm. as well. Yeah. Like the first Ant Man is great. I don't think it's a case of you know from the first Man Man to to this he's well to that movie he's then gone. No, I don't care anymore. I yeah. just think it is a case of like um, Marvel and Disney probably not giving him number one the freedom and number two the resources to do what he needed to do properly yeah i think i think there's absolutely a fair point to be made in the resources allocation like there's no way that like Groot and rocket and and like a bunch of other stuff in this is able to look as good as it does whilst yeah. they're like they can't even soft blur a background fucking correctly in ant-man 3 Groot looks so good people thought he was practical yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> and he's not he's entirely cgi but like he, he people thought he was an actual fucking person in a suit yeah like yeah that's there's it's there's crazy. like a testament to the performances as well there because like all the guardians just talk to each other and you believe like oh that man's talking to a raccoon he's not he's talking to sean gunn on a fucking on his like on his hands and knees <laughs> with a little fucking head on his <laughs> yeah with a little raccoon head on him but, um yeah i don't know i just think that like We'll move on from like the filmmaking aspect, I guess. But like the but the the it, no, it's a good conversation now because the it, the raccoon it fucking looks great. Yeah, like, the the sh- the movie opens like we see Rocket as a baby, a baby raccoon looking all scared and stuff. Um, uh, and then it kind of like the camera like slowly pans in, zooms in on his face, and it transitions into older Rocket. Um, and it's it's so good, mm. it's so detailed, it looks so good. It's like fucking. You know, uh, back to the um, the Andy Circus Planet of the Apes movies. Just the fucking level of detail and work put into those apes and the performance capture and everything like that. It's it's crazy good. Yeah. Um. And, <laughs> and if I can segue into my my favorite <laughs> semi reoccurring uh, segment, Nathan bullies Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I just think that there's. This is what happens, and this this um, this is how you can show a respect and a love for VFX working artists and the work they do, mm. rather than just fucking disparaging them all the time and being like, "No, my movie doesn't have CGI because CGI is bad, and I don't want it." Rather than just accepting. That it's a tool on how movies are made, and it can be a very useful and very good tool. You fuckhead. Yeah. But hey, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, there there is definitely an element of like, I mean, you're right. It's a it's a tool to an arsenal, and if you could, it takes a fucking talented director to be able to shoot for VFX, like, yeah, to know when VFX is going to be there and to allow the artists enough clear space to do their work. Yeah, and like, yeah, no, it's it's it does t- it does take a skill. I th- that what baffles me, and I just clocked it while you were talking about the um like the detail in his hair and like the the Matt Reeves um apes movies, but like there used to be a time where CG would struggle to even create hair, and now mm. you can tell that Rocket is older because of the fine like grayness in his hair yeah. and the wiriness of it. Yeah, it's crazy. It's in fucking and like you you again. You're 100% right about the fucking allocating resources. Because, like, yeah. <laughs> it looks incredible. <laughs> it yeah. does. And it, there's it not does. a moment you don't believe it. Yeah, it does. All, all the way throughout it, there's, there's, it looks great. Uh, the, the, there's, there might be some wonky moments at some stages of the movie here and there. But I think overall it's it's um, mm. it's quite good. Yeah. Really. The, bit where they, the bit where they jump out of the High Evolutionary's office. 
bit shaky. Yeah, yeah, a bit, a bit shaky. Yeah. yeah, a bit. Um, so some of the shots of the um, although it was it was visually impressive, some of the shots of like the the station that's like made of like flesh and stuff looks a bit weird. Do you think? I love that. Yeah, some of it. Yeah, it looks just I don't know. I think it's hard because that is a that is a practical space that was built, but also enhanced heavily with CG in the background. I mean, I mean, like the shots of the outside of it. Oh, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, like cutting into the flesh door and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. But but, but for the most part, again, great, and like I say, a whole a whole lot more visually pleasing than um, Ant Man and the Wasp. <laughs> By the way, Ant Man and the Wasp, the Wasp isn't in it. It's, oh, yeah. it's called Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Wasp is hardly in the movie yeah it didn't someone work out like her screen time uh, her screen time compared to Scott Lang's which is like yeah. it's it's night and day yeah. <laughs> like, it's, um, it's, it's, it's crazy anyway we're not talking about that well no the thing I was gonna say and well this I think good point unless you've got anything to talk about filmmaking wise I mean, maybe, but we can sure. we can circle back around to shit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. The, what I think is really interesting is obviously I sp- I spoke about how there was a fat delay between Volume Two and this, and like when when did Volume Two come out? Twenty seventeen, I want to say. Twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a fucking while. <laughs> we were in second year at uni. Oh Jesus, that makes me old. Was we? Yeah. Yeah, we definitely were. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no. So that there was a massive delay, and. Since then, there has kind of been like this. A lot of people were kind of interested how they were gonna handle Gamora in this. Like, yes. there was a because basically, right? For and there are people out there. I know it's not a lot of people, but there are people out there that like the Guardians movies and don't tune in for every fucking else, every other thing that Marvel do, including Endgame. Yeah. So like, there's an element of like they have to deal with the fact that. The version, the the version of Gamora from from Volume Two. Everyone knows this. Is listening to this anyway, but like, yeah. she died, but she's not dead. It's now a, a different version of her from the past that doesn't have any of the memories of Guardians One or Two. Yes, because she was she was taken from her timeline pretty much just before Guardians One happened. Yeah, like so, like probably like a week before Guardians One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which so is like, like, yeah. I don't know. I think there's. I do think James Gunn was kind of. I feel like a lesser director wouldn't have been able to handle it in the way that he did because he was dealt a shit hand. Like he was stiffed for a bit. Yeah. Um. And there are like he's he's spoken quite candidly about like he was he knew it was happening. He wasn't overly keen on the choice, but he he also he's powerless to stop it. Endgame was the big one. There was not a single thing that James Gunn could have said to disparage that decision happening. Mm. Um. And so he's kind of just had to go. Oh. <laughs> All right, I've been set up this character for two movies, and in the third and final one, she's a completely different person. Um, and I think how he handles that is like really, really fucking interesting in this because he he still gives her a purpose and a character, but he also uses that to build off the journey that Peter's been going on as well, which I think is quite cool. What what do you make of all the Gamora stuff? To be honest, I think it's everything with Gamora in this movie, uh, I think it's kind of strengthened by what happened mm. in Infinity War and the choice to uh, to to kill that version of Gamora anyway. I, I get it's difficult to say for sure, you know, a, a scenario where there is a Guardian Street with regular, um, that version of Gamora just carrying on. Yeah. You know, a, a, a version where she didn't die. It's, it's difficult to say because that doesn't exist. Um, so it's hard to know 
what the plan was, how that would look, what her and Peter's relationship would be at that point, and that sort of stuff. It, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. But in terms of the story we got, I like that... Um, I like that it's not just something that's just immediately... Ah, oh, she died, but now it's okay because we got another one. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that would have been awful. Yeah, like it's her. Her death meant something, mm. and Gamora died. Like she fully that that Gamora is dead. She is gone, dead, not coming back. This Gamora is not her. She looks like her. She talks like her. She screams like her, which is great. I always love me some Zoe Saldana screaming. Um, Just box office magic, like. <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah i mean so yeah whenever whenever she screams in a movie like two billion dollars let's go it's great <laughs> uh yeah but she she's she's an absolutely great actress she always does a great performance but yeah like i say I, I think what what james was able to do with the story and how that's you know her and peter's relationship is non-existent basically at this point and he's he's trying to like force it on her like yeah he's like um, like, no, trust me, you love me. Like, if I can just make you understand, you you love me and we can be the greatest couple again and we have so much fun. Trust me, I'm not being weird. I'm not being, like, trust me. Like, we are the greatest couple ever. And she's like, dude, fuck off. Yeah. I don't know you. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm not the woman you lost, all right? I'm my own person. Let me be me. It's a great story. It's really mm. interesting. And I like the... It, it is kind of sad, like, where it ends up, but I like that it's a lesson that Peter learns, that, like, he has to let Gamora be Gamora because his Gamora is dead. Yeah. It's sad. It's heartbreaking, even. But she's dead, and she's not coming back, and he needs to move on from that, basically. It, I think it also, like, it speaks to the uniqueness of their relationship prior. Like, the same woman before the growth mm. of that happened with um, Gamora in Guardians 1 and Guardians 2... Yeah. Like it, it speaks to the uniqueness of their relationship. Like they you can't replicate it. Even with the same two people, one different yeah. set of circumstances, it doesn't you can't just put on the same shoe and pretend it fits. Like it doesn't it doesn't work like that. And I think that this is no. like there's something so fucking cool about how like these the center of these movies has always been like trauma and kind of balance balancing that and finding like a way to kind of like bridge the gap between fully healing but finding a way to just kind of get on with a bit of pain. Obviously, this being the final entry and the final time James Gunn is going to handle these characters, like, they needed to wrap up some of those wounds. Um, but, yeah, no, th there's something really interesting about how... That Gamora has this brilliant line, which is, like, what is so broken inside of you that you need me to be something? Yeah, great line. Yeah, it's incredible. And also, like, literally since... And screams the... perfectly, mine. Yeah, <laughs> just, I mean, anything she screams is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to yell at me. Yeah. Like, that'd be great. The way she like storms off afterwards, I'm like, I'll follow you. Just keep screaming. This movie is like 75% 75 just people yelling at each other. Yeah. And it's great. I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, yeah. But there's, she, yeah, she says that line to him and it's like, there's, there's something about like how since like the death of his mum, he just basically, and, and Mantis says this a bit directly later on, like he just jumps from woman to woman to help fill the like the meredith quill hole in his heart basically mummy issues yeah. like to a fucking t yeah right yeah. and like <laughs> and gamora like rightfully calls him out on it and it's like it, i don't know it just allows like it, it, it's fitting that his ending with her is like not romantic and is unsatisfying romantically but 
traumatically very healing for what he needs to hear and what he needs to accept to move forward. Yeah. Like, which is yeah. basically just let go. She's gone. It's where, the, where they end up is, is so much better for both of the characters and the story mm. rather than an alternate version where they do end up together again by the end of this movie. I think that would cheapen it really. Yeah. I think that would massively cheapen, both the sacrifice and and everything that came before and even this movie itself really so yeah as weird as it sounds i'm happy they're not together yeah but also like you saw the ending of guardians too like i understand james gunn would have done something and made it work but mm. like you're right this is more interesting it's more yeah. there's more conflict to it like they were pretty like those those scenes in volume two where gamora's like if this guy isn't your dad and if he turns out to be a dick we'll just kill him like they're they're happy together yeah and yeah, there's one yeah. thing that the guardians can't be until the last 10 minutes of this movie is happy unfortunately <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah. so i don't know um but yeah no i just think that's there's like i love how as a director he was kind of stiffed, didn't know what he was going to do, and then turned it around and made it better somehow. It, it was extra stiffed by Thor just hanging about being like, oh, I'm, I'm one of you now too. Yes, I'm a guardian of the galaxy. <laughs> and then Love and Thunder, they were like, kick this fucking guy off the ship. <laughs> yeah, and Taika just immediately went, oh, let's change that. Let's, <laughs> let's immediately just flip that around. Was it the box office for Thor Love and Thunder cut its legs off so Guardians 3 could run? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Tiger really took a bullet for, <laughs> for James, but yeah. That, that is so correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, let's talk about um, Rocket because he's like, there's even another line um, later on in this which is like, it's a bit meta, like it's been his story all along and it's so true. Like Rocket has been the secret protagonist of all of these movies. Um, mm. And yeah, I don't know. I just thought his story, I was traumatized while watching this for the first time in the cinema. Like, sad story, but early listeners of the podcast will remember I had a little furry dude, my cat. Oh, no. I know, it's going to get sad. Keywords, keyword being had. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, basically. And and it was sad and he's not. He's no longer with us. And there are, there is imagery in this movie that Took me back to a very sad time. Did your wife watch this with you tonight? Not tonight. She actually left because of I was watching it tonight. That's what I was. I was. I. I would be. I would have been surprised if she had. Yeah. Because I remember she was very, very upset when you watched it first time. Yeah. She. We. It was genuinely the first time. I like first time since I was like a child that I was tempted to leave the cinema while the movie was like barely even getting started. Not because of the quality of the movie. The movie's incredible, but like mm. it was a lot. Um, so there, yeah, there are, and, but also like, I don't think like I'm alone in that. Like this is very viscerally affecting stuff. Yeah. Um, just like, I don't know the lengths that also like, this is kind of what I was saying about the beginning, that it feels like it matters more, like the brutality of, of this in general, like people are coughing up blood. People are getting half beaten to death. Yeah. It's fucking like, it's, some of it is really hard to look at, especially for characters that you really, really love. And Rocket being like the smallest, cutest, and furriest, it just makes it even worse. Basically, it is. It is pretty gruesome. It really doesn't like pull its punches, and it does like push that whatever fucking PG thirteen probably push that rating like as hard as it can. Yeah, really. Um, which is good because you know it's it's very interesting and intriguing, and yeah, difficult to watch it sometimes. I know a lot of people who are you know particularly you know. Uh, animal lovers and oh, 
so it's so weird to say because like everyone's an animal <laughs> but like you know what i mean just people who have like an affinity for animals yeah, and stuff. yeah. Uh, uh it's it's a, a difficult watch for a lot of people um and hey that's understandable because yeah there's a lot of fucking animal cruelty shit in this movie and it's it's purposefully um difficult to watch um it made all the more sweeter when that fucking revenge moment comes about really um he rocket is like kind of the well the heart of the movie that's like not surprised to anyone but like he's kind of out of action for the most of it like straight away he's fucking taken out and then most of his story is like flashbacks and stuff that came before and all this sort of stuff and it's not really until like the the final uh, act of the movie that he's back in play really um so it's it's like yeah the movie is built around him but he's also kind of not really in it much at the same time it's a it's a strange combination between the two but it works very well though yeah and i think like as as that being like the framing device like when you remember like think about all of your favorite rocket scenes from volume one and volume two riding on the back of group shooting a gun like he's in endgame being swung around by bucky shooting a gun he's jumping through a load of trees in volume two shooting guns (laughs) like he likes guns he likes guns um, but there is something really interesting about, like, like you say, taking him out of play and kind of like we—he's we, so used to like putting on his whole thing is like putting on a bravado of I don't give a shit and like mm. and kind of deflecting any pain with just anger and snarky comments and like yeah. for us to finally be able to like see that side of the story find out what happened and also like not really get to see him pick up a gun again until he's ready to accept it and change it is really really interesting i don't know just like all all of those scenes were like because also like james gunn is like is torturing you for this movie because you know that Mm. these characters aren't making it out like you know all of rocket's mates are gonna die yeah and like of course you do because they're not in guardian (laughs) they're not around anymore yeah they're like, if he loved them this much, why are they not around? Yeah, yeah like, I'm like, supposed to believe they all escaped. They flew off together in the sky forever. And then Rocket yeah. went, I'm done now. And I'll now, see you guys. <laughs> and now I live with this tree or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. There's just there's just something so great about that. And I think, like, the, the, the moment where he, like, kind of has to not choose, but, like, he he's so close to accepting death and... And like this is this is like towards the end of the movie, but like with the the like the walk into the light with Lila moment, he he kind of does accept it. Yeah, he he like he goes for it, but it's Lila who stops him. And sure, it's not real, part of his mind or whatever. But who gives a shit? Mm. Like it's she's the one who stops him from like she said fucking like she says to him. Well, she says like oh we're all playing over here or whatever, and he's like can I come? She's like yeah of course, mm. but not yet. You know you've got shit to do first. You gotta save your family and and get that prick and all this sort of stuff so yeah yeah and it's, it's a great moment yeah she like she he is like very willing to accept that like he's gonna die because of like like that stupid fucking like someone considers him to be like worthwhile technology so like anyone tampering with him yeah. they'd rather him die than be pulled apart and be mm. of use to anyone else other than the high evolutionary so like rocket is about to accept death still kind of believing that his purpose was to suffer and yeah. to create a better future for someone else. And his, what I, what I think is so fucking good about this is Rocket's purpose is absolutely to create a better future for someone else, but not in that 
monstrous and horrific way. It's to be like a protector and a guardian, and that's why he yeah. ends up leading them. And yeah, I don't know. Also, also with that with that scene in general, like the scene where Rocket basically does die, that there is I don't know, like that's the that's the realest one of these movies have felt in a very long time. <laughs> I don't know, and you kind of, you see, like, Peter screaming and, like, pounding on his chest to, like, try and get him back after he thinks he's lost him, like, refusing to give up. It, like, ties into the decision he makes to go and see his grandpa at the end of the movie, because, like, he finally gets why that being in that room and being that guy is hard. Yeah, I think I think all the stuff with Rocket is very, very well done, and it is... Um just a great choice to make him like the the emotional heart uh, and pull of the movie um all all like the flashbacks there they're so fucking cute and they're <laughs> so fucking great um and like his and Lila and Teeths and uh uh floor I think is the yeah, the rabbit yeah. um and rock just just an absolute great immediately you just fall in love with all of these characters and you're like oh my god you're all so fucking adorable please for the love of god do not die yeah um they're gonna die yeah it's just a countdown to them dying yeah <laughs> yeah and they do and it's fucking devastating <laughs> like when you when they get free you're like oh fucking it's coming and then like you hear the gunshot and everything just stops dead Ugh, it's such a fucking knife to the heart. Yeah. It's and Rocket's reaction, just the guttural scream from a fucking raccoon. <laughs> and I'm here crying my eyes out because an otter just died. <laughs> and, and then the way and the way he just fucking leaps at fucking um the, the high evolutionary and just tears his face clean off. Yeah. Ugh, it's it's such a just well crafted moment. Um, which which gives us like, you know, obviously a lot a lot of context of of the rest of the movie and stuff, and it's really great. I think what I enjoy the most about Rocket's story in this movie is kind of how it's bookended. Really, I mean, it's a little on the nose, but we start off with fucking Radiohead creep <laughs> and Rocket. Uh, he's he's surrounded by people, but he's alone, mm. and he's just going around fucking listening to Radiohead, listening to the most self-deprecating song of all time, <laughs> calling himself a freak and a loser and all this sort of stuff. And then juxtapose that with the end of the movie where it's fucking Florence and the Machines, dog days are over. He's dancing with his family, with his friends, surrounded by everyone. Yeah. It's a great bookend. It's a great fucking contrast. Oh, it, it's incredible. And like one of the few movies that gets a pass for using Creep. So yeah, we'll, we'll allow this one, James Gunn. <laughs> you're on thin ice yeah yeah um but no you're right like yeah just to see the difference between him completely isolated and alone imagine using radiohead in a movie <laughs> that you made i don't know what you're talking about Nathan. <laughs> um yeah in another movie where uh, there's an animal that pulls at the heartstrings as well yeah good voice acting I, I, I think so um that's for no one um no that's for us and as alone we won't elaborate um <laughs> Um, no, yeah, you, you're right. There, it is. A, it is a really, really lovely bookend. I think, like, the th uh, do you know what I love? Like, it, it all feels real, and like, like you were saying, that that moment where it all comes crashing down, and you hear the gunshot, and you, it, the camera just slowly pans down to reveal Lila's been shot. Mm. It's not like a, a laser. It's not like a fucking. No. It's not like a pew beam kind of Tony Stark repulsor, whatever. Like it's, yeah. and there are those. It's almost the movie is almost exclusively people using weapons like that. Yeah. But this time it's just a fucking gun. 
And like, yeah. yeah, it's a bit sci-fi. It's not the local Glock or whatever, <laughs> but like, it's it's a gun as human as you'll find in this world. Yeah, and I don't know. There's just something about it. Just yeah, and but it's, it's then there's the one-two punch. It's yeah, fucking lighter's been shot. Rocket's now got to kill these cunts. He's got to shoot the high evolutionary guards while they're shooting at him. He's killed them. Oh great! Now fucking yeah, thieves and. And Flora have been sh- killed now as well, and it's just ugh. there's there's no like glamour to it as well. Like, it just turns around and it's just an animal riddled with but it, like it, it it reminds you of those fucking despicable Tory pricks that fucking post pictures of like the animals that they've killed. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and they're like posing all around it happy, and the animal is it's like it's such a quite literally sometimes the elephant in the room. It's just a lifeless corpse that people are throwing up signs next to. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's disgraceful and like, yeah, just that that they that we'll, we can get onto this in a sec as well. Like the in that sequence, like, firstly, it's 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 it, they get you with that. We speak about a lot about this in um, Still Got Legs, our Doctor Who rewatch podcast. Doctor Who often play this trick where they introduce a noise and then put so much chaos around the noise that when it creepily stops, you don't notice it. Yeah, and they do that, but this time with a mechanical rabbit screaming. Yeah, and it's it's like she's that that Lila Teeth's rocket go now or whatever she screams. Yeah, and she she's the one with like the movie sets up that her like she's kind of the most limited in terms of like her very childlike. Yeah, 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 and um. So, yeah, she's literally just saying, like, Rocket Teeth's floor, go now. Rocket Teeth, like, the same shit over and over, which is clearly just a fucking panicked rush of thoughts. Mm. Uh, and then when it stops, you don't notice it. But, like, when you see it, and you just kind of... And the, do you know what? The, the thing that fucking gutted me more was that, like, when floor starts those screams, she's in the cage. And when the camera shows yeah. her dead, she's tried to run. Yeah. And she's out of the cage by, like, a good meter. And it's like, oh no! <laughs> like, it's the one of them scenes. The more you think about it, the more you're just like, I hate life. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely brutal. All the fucking voice actors did a phenomenal job. Um, obviously, Bradley Cooper as as Rocket. Um, it's uh, it's uh, Linda Cardellini as Lina, her second mother role. Yes, because she's um, she's Hawkeye's wife and a woman in a character in her own right as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know who did Teefson. I think I think Teefs is a comedian. I'm not sure who. Is it? Let's have a look. I think Let so. Here, uh, I'm not familiar. Oh yes, he is a comedian. Yeah, he. Oh, he's the guy from um, People Just Do Nothing. Um, oh, really? Yeah, you know the um, what's his name? I can't remember what they called. Uh, Triple G is it? Uh, from oh shit. Yeah. Yeah, he is quite actually a really good comedian, actually. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. in Barbie as well. Who's he in Barbie? He's a he says here is a warehouse employee in Barbie. Couldn't pick that up. <laughs> but yeah, no, just just great, and that scene made all the worse for, like, it's the kick you while you're down moment. It's the like, how do you make a villain even more disgusting? It's have them have them mock someone in pain for someone that they something that they've just done. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, the 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 high evolutionary. What a fucking what a cap. What a like a final boss <laughs> for this team. What a just fucking absolute prick. Yeah, ever. But just the most fucking insecure, fucking inferiority complex <laughs> mixed with a god complex. 
fucking oh, just an absolute cunt. I was cheering when he died because, my God, mm. just the best villain they could have had, but also just a prick. Apparently, he's still alive, according to James Gunn. I, okay. If Gamora's knife to his stomach and, and everything else did not kill him, surely the big exploding ship that exploded did. Yeah, so I, I'm with you, and I watched this twice in the cinema, and I think both of those times that what you're saying makes more sense. In James Gunn's own words, however, he is imprisoned on nowhere. He is alive and being kept... He's not, though, right? This is something no, that Marvel want to keep every fucking door open. But why? I know, it's... you never need to see him again. You, you don't, you don't. This is, uh, I'm actually more for, like, a fucking villain's staying around for longer than one movie. I think that's actually an issue Marvel have had in the past, mm. where they, they like, kill off their villains after, the, like, Ultron. Like, a, a big issue was totally fucking getting rid of him, and now we seemingly can never use him again. Um, that's an issue Marvel we've had. This is the exception. This is like where you go, kill this fucker, never let him breathe again. Yeah. All right. Like, yeah. It he he does not need to come back. It was a great performance. It was a great role. Um, it was it was all of it really served the movie well. But he he does not need to come back. No. And his his story is so thematically linked to Rocket that bringing him mm, yeah. back will retroactively undo the growth that you've done to Rocket in the movie. Very very well done. Just It just pops into my head as well that, like, th they really make a point of the AP913, AP193, whatever it is, mm. like, just repeating that over and over again. He's always, never once calls him Rocket. It's always AP193. And it's said quite a lot throughout the movie. So that when they get to that point where he screams AP193 and then Rocket goes... My name is Rocket. Yeah. It's such a fucking fuck yeah, yeah. moment. And he, no, and he reloads so his gun and he's like, yeah. Rocket Raccoon. Raccoon. Yeah, it's great. Yes, you are, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Also, like, mm. yeah, it comes part and parcel with James Gunn's affinity to big extendy guns. Um, yeah. Which he loves. <laughs> yeah, he, do, he does love a big extendy gun. He loves a gun yeah, that takes three <laughs> cinematic beats to reload. Just the most impractical thing ever, yeah. but. It looks great on a film. So yeah, I I, I saw um, James mention this I think months ago on the Weekly Planet podcast, and it's something that I thought was really interesting. Oh, uh, James, your boss, James, not James Gunn. No, not James. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, context. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Mister Sunday Movies, as I call him. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he he said like it, it's just an interesting point that like Rocket has gone his entire life believing that like he'll probably never see this guy again. But, like, my God, he's got the shit in place. He's like, if I ever cross this guy again, yeah. I know his tricks and I've got something on my leg that I can press that, like, is impervious to his, whatever his power is. Um, and, yeah, just just interesting that he was, like... I don't know. There, also, there's an element of, like, yeah, it's cool and it gives us a cool moment. But at the same time, like, he's been living in fear his entire life. Like, you see it when he's... When he comes back and he's like on the men. When he hears his voice immediately, it's just fucking trauma and PTSD. Yeah. It's immediate fucking the shit. The camera yeah. does the obligatory off the tripod steady cam shake to show you that the panic attack is happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Never cheered harder than when the Guardians like basically just fucking pass him around like a hot potato to smack. Yeah. <laughs> like 
everyone got everyone got a fucking lick in. Everyone got like one shot in, which was which was great. They all teamed up to like support yeah. their boy, which was just brilliant. And that's great, something. Really. There's something in that as well about how like his mm. downfall comes at the hands of a group of kind of pained weirdos working together as friends. A bunch of freaks and fucking complete the the most dysfunctional family you've ever fucking seen. Like the the scene where they go to Counter Earth and the that like uh, human animal. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. They are, I believe yes. they're called a, a human animal. Um, like uh, they go to that human animal's home and like they're trying to help them out or whatever. And his Drax is lying down on the couch because he doesn't do, like it's long. I can lay down and they're all just yelling at each other and everything. It's so dysfunctional. It's such a mess, but it's it's great. That's that's what's yeah. appealing about. Oh, them, the, and really. that, that's something as well. Like I've I wrote down fairly early. Like in the first movie, they work together because they're the only people that can work together and the only people that know about it, and they're thrown in circumstance. And they decide at the end yeah. to be a team. In Guardians 2, you get to see that family a bit tighter, but f- there's still friction. And then in this one, like, time has passed, obviously, um, for them as well. But there is an element of um, th- they're never done growing. They're always dysfunctional because they just yeah. clash. They're yeah. just different personalities. And even as they love each other as much as they do. Like, the, the whole movie is bred out of let's save our friend. And every single, like you said, mm. they're more getting their licks in. They all show up to support their boy. Like it matters to every single one of them. It's the most important thing that they have to do is save one yeah. another when shit goes wrong. But it doesn't stop them just the entire time bickering and fighting. And there's that there's that beautiful scene of like Mantis, Nebula, and Drax. And it's basically just like Nebula is so practical and so concerned with being like useful uh, in like. Uh, a plot propelling way how can we progress yeah. and and mantis is like that if that's all you see as worth then like what is the point like drax is fun and he makes us laugh and he's sad but he tries his best and like that's that's something equally to celebrate in people and then he's also shown his worth as well by comforting yeah. the children who are fucking terrified out of their mind while all this is going on as well so i love that that's yeah. something like James Gunn always goes for like the, I don't know. There's there's something I I read this somewhere that James Gunn always figures out what the most 
what what the the easiest idea is and then what the most interesting idea is drax he chooses the idea that is like it would be funny alone if drax started making monkey noises but it's funnier because like what he's doing is a monkey noise but it doesn't sound anything like a monkey so there's t- yeah so th- there's there's two <laughs> jokes there that are both as funny as each other yeah that's so. That moment is so good. <laughs> like, my daughters used to love when I made monkey noises, and then he's just clearly doing a robot impression, which is it's very funny. Um, yeah, no, it's yeah, it's brilliant. And then he's got a line earlier in the movie when they're they're going to like rockets just been taken out, and they're like uh, they're they're going off on the mission, and Drex is saying like, "We'll go, we'll kill them all." And then Quill's like, no, we're not going to kill everyone. We'll kill some people. No, we're not killing anyone. We'll kill one man. One stupid, dumb man. <laughs> and it, yeah, Peter's right. It just gets to the point where it's just like sad. Like, why do you have to kill someone? Yeah. Uh, it's great. He, Dave Batista is so good. He's such a... He, he fucking nails the comedy of Drax. Just the, yeah. the absolute deadpan completely serious but saying that just the dumbest shit ever he's so good at it he he's when he's like he's like even my butt makes analogies (laughs) (laughs) he's 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 so good i love him so much and i i can understand why he's like he's done with drax now and 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 i can respect that i I feel like we're probably done with all of these characters if i'm being honest um well apparently not star lord Chris Pratt said something very different. What's, there'll be no point to segue around to this. Like, what's he said? Well, he was he was asked on a res- on a red carpet at some point, like before the strike, obviously. That like, um, if he if he now that Guardians Three is wrapped up, if he sees himself coming back and playing Star Lord again, and he was like, uh, he just basically said something along the lines of. For me, like, um, it would have to be something really, really interesting because we kind of like wrapped everything up, and that's what he considers to be the end of of that character. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, just a big Star Lord will return at the end. But like, <laughs> yeah. really? No. But uh, yeah, does he need to? The legendary Star Lord will return when you rewatch these movies <laughs> at home. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he needs to though. Really, I, I think all of them. The story's all wrapped up kind of well. Obviously, I'm always open to to more stuff, depending on on what it is. But but yeah, um, but yeah, uh, Dave Bautista again, great. Zoe Saldana, great. She loves to yell. Um, Vin Diesel is not in these movies. Um, <laughs> he's not. Well, he's... no, he no, he he came back for an hour this time to do one more thing. Yeah. Or I mean, James Gunn wouldn't have done this, but or let's be honest, it very easily could have been fucking AI now, couldn't it? Yeah, it could. It's not. It, it he he is there, but like you know. But he's not. He's not no. like he's <laughs> he's he's doing his Fast and Furious bag. Like that's what he's up no, to. No, I love I love Gru. The character of Gru is great. Um, I I do like the. The moment at the end where he says, like, what does he say? He's like, I love you guys. Yeah, I think he says. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think, like, he's not just suddenly talking. I think, like, that's what they hear, like, when... Because mm. all throughout the movie, he's, like, saying, we are Gru. And they're like, yeah, good point, mate. Yeah, bang on. Um, yeah. Like, they understand him. And that's, it's, like... It's the... We, we speak about it sometimes. It's the chewy thing, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, the, of course. We don't, we're not let in, but they understand what's going on, and we get it through context clues. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, James Gunn is... That's how I read it when I was watching it. And then James Gunn, he, I think he said on Twitter when someone asked him about it, like, that's very oh, much it? us right. being part of the family. Yeah. And being in on understanding him. You know who is great... 
Karen Gillan, man. I mean, everyone in this is no perfect, I yeah. think. But she is she is a cut above. She's fantastic. Karen Gillan is fucking phenomenal. And I think, in general, her career is very interesting because she could very easily have gone down the route of being, like, typecast as, like, the the pretty girl and and all this sort of stuff and you know the all, all that sort of stuff because uh, she is a, a very beautiful actress and she's she's great um but she has an affinity for playing just the biggest fucking weirdos ever <laughs> like look at all her they're all fucking freaks man um, <laughs> and nebula is so uh, i don't know how to describe it there's something just very not quite right about nebula that's it's mm. there's the like her well, she's been tortured and everything so that kind of makes sense but she's just she's got an odd way about her which is just very intriguing and karen gillan just plays it so well james gunn has like said something and i think karen gillan said this as well in some sort of behind the scenes thing mm. um and the voice for nebula yeah. um apparently james gunn's direction on helping karen gillan land on a a voice um because for everyone that doesn't know or doesn't isn't familiar with her outside of this, like she's Scottish and very, very Scottish, very Scottish, yeah, yeah. She sounds absolutely nothing like Nebula. If you join us all. on the I still got legs, you'll get to know her soon enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. But so so her voice, the direction James Gunn gave her is halfway her on an extremely pissed off day, halfway Marilyn Monroe. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> with, so because that you get that from like the yeah. whole. She has that smokiness to her voice, which yeah, is very like, does. I'm doing this, very husky and uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just no, brilliant. And you're right. She does. She. It's so easy to play it like a pissed off thing, but she just plays it like a deranged, I mean, half computer weirdo. I like uh, the progression of her character throughout these movies as well. Not just this one, throughout all of them, really, because mm. like she's gone from a villain in the first movie. Yeah, so, literally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> literally one of the main antagonists of the first movie to the fucking fully fledged member of the team and not only just a member of the team, a member of the team who really fucking cares and loves her her found family in mm. these guardians. It's great. In a in a really understated way as well. Like yeah. she's constantly been like you're an idiot, fuck you, like all of this. <laughs> yeah. But then like there's there's moments and I I I think there's some kind of something in the script that mm. kind of i don't think it goes into that much detail i think it's just kind of a surface level oh that's interesting um where like she i guess her having gamora on the team for as little time as she is as early on in the movie as she is like in a way that's i guess nebula grappling with like God, was i like this fuck me like yeah maybe yeah give a shit about something other than yourself kind of thing i um, i really like the idea that, um, and this isn't necessarily touched upon in the movie, but I, I like the idea that she is like, yeah, a, f a fully fledged member of the team. She really loves these people, but she especially loves um, and is really determined to help get Rocket back to just back to normal and back to health and stuff because Rocket was the only one that didn't get dusted out of all the other Guardians. So it was just those, it was just those two. Like they were the only two left, and and there's a there's a beautiful moment in Endgame itself where like when she gets back to Earth with uh, with Tony Stark, um, that like they just have like a reunion moment and just the the realization that they're the only ones, and they just like kind of sit on the steps of the spaceship just holding hands. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah. I yeah. You forget about this kind of shit with this much <laughs> distance from yeah, a lot of Marvel stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's really interesting. Also, like, I guess mm. they 
they're they're both. I mean, like so <laughs> in a way, you can kind of see Guardian, the Guardians trilogy, as being like basically the trilogy of bad dads. Like you have Thanos <laughs> yeah. being a major player in the first one. You have yeah. obviously Ego, and then you have um, the High Evolutionary. But like, like for characters that would connect with each other, both both cybernetically enhanced weirdos that were tortured and pulled apart from a young age by their father figures or their creators or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's definitely a nice a nice link there. Um She's got a very cool arm this time around as well. Her arm is so cool this time. It, it does everything. Well. <laughs> yeah. But I like I like that moment where like there's part of it that's like very obviously as like James Gunn as a screenwriter thinking about stuff. And then there's other stuff where he's like, brush that under the rug quickly. Like when, <laughs> yeah. when they, they rock up and, and those, those weird kind of like pig demon things are like, you can't come in cause your whole arm is a gun and there's a no gun policy. And she's like, okay, fair enough. He's like, scan the human one scans him. Like, yeah, he's got no guns. It's like, don't scan the big one. Cause there's too many guns in him. And we need. He's all made of wood. <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah. a big, he's a big naked tree. <laughs> You're not gonna think he's got guns in him, are you? That's true. That's, a, I, I, that's another thing I like. That now Groot is back to a normal size. Yeah, I love the moments where, like, because you see his head get cut off, um, and like he just has like little. You get to see Groot in a few forms in this movie. Like he's got his little spider <laughs> legs. Um, he's yeah he's like he's like adult size now but apparently he just never stops growing yeah like, in one of the post credit scenes he's fucking huge man. <laughs> do you reckon like every now and again they just like cut one of his legs off and they're like let's 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 trim you down a little like it's, yeah. this is impractical we have one spaceship and it's not this big <laughs> yeah probably uh i don't like this spaceship i don't like the bowie oh really no i don't no i've I just I don't like the design of it really. You don't like that the it's... double floor cockpit thing. Not 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 necessarily the interior, more of the exterior of it. I think like I feel like the Milano um is like more of a classic looking mm. ship really. I don't know, there's something about the shape of it which I'm not necessarily a fan of. It just it doesn't look visually exciting to me. It feels it feels blocky. It does, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't is it's not like cool spaceship. It's yeah. a weird spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. it doesn't have that. Yeah. S- the Milano had that sleekness that you felt like could cut through space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you there. Um, yeah. uh, oh, let us uh, Adam Warlock. Ah, yeah. He's the weakest part of the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Will, Will Poulter does a, a good enough job. He's he got some funny moments and stuff, but it's it's a bit too haha Marvel comedy uh, at some point. Yeah. it's a bit too. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's a bit silly, yeah. isn't it? They're, and it's supposed to be, but uh. it, they're all. I mean, the high evolutionary, not the high evolution. Uh, the, the sovereign have always been like a, they're the go to for the for the punching bag gags in the in yeah. this franchise. They're like the silly, self serious gold morons. And he is everything that that ev- all the punching bag and like gag moments that they've been. He's like all of them rolled into one. I think he's supposed to be like. Because he's quite new, isn't he? Mm. He's like, because he's not even born by the time of the second movie. Yeah. So he's like, he's a, a, a child, basically, in the body of fucking 30-year-old Will Poulter. <laughs> ripped Will Poulter yeah. or whatever. And With his so, new yeah. quiff, which does sport him nicely. 
With his new quiff, yeah. <laughs> there is that weird moment where, like, uh, Peter Quill's dying at the end because he's in space, and then they just weirdly just recreate the creation of Adam. <laughs> what the <laughs> like, what? That was, that was so random and out of place. It's like, oh, and here's Michelangelo's The Creation of Adam. It, <laughs> it, it was very weird. And also, like, I was waiting for it this time round. And then, like, yeah. there was that... It, it's such a quick shot that it cuts away. It almost feels unsure of being there. Yeah, it does. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I, for the life of me, I cannot work out what they were trying to get across with that. I yeah, meaning, I don't know if it's supposed to symbolise something that I'm just missing, or if it's just one of those things that, like, James Gunn went, this'll be funny, let's just do that. It was like, it's such a, such a serious, <laughs> it's the, it's the potential death of the protagonist of all the three movies, like. <laughs> Yeah, it's not typically a moment you'd be like, "How can we insert some absurdist humor here?" <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, yeah, it's there. It's there. It is. Um, I like the way he flies. Mm. I like the way the camera seat watches him fly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that because I think I was maybe watching it now more so that we're hearing a bit more about like James Gunn doing Superman and like there's a uh. it's an interesting effect like the camera like whips around him but he stays still and like the world kind of distorts when he flies it's not just like a motion blur which is like an easy effect that a lot of people do yeah um the eternals as, as i think eternal the, this is a, a, maybe an actual hot take and i think we spoke about it anyway but like we both like the eternals right it's uh the eternals is i think or take out the spider-man movies and the eternals is my favorite movie of phase four yeah I, th that's yeah yeah what other movies are in phase four i can't remember uh shang chi uh, Black Panther, both uh, Far From Home and No Way Home, um, uh, Eternals, Black Widow, um, what else? Thor, Love and Thunder. Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah, I would. Pro I prefer. I personal enjoyment. I like Shang Chi more. Shang Chi's good. Yeah, yeah, and I think Wakanda Forever is probably a better made movie. But I like Eternals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. But like. That one thing the Eternals is guilty of is like the flying effect is ropey as fuck. Like it just doesn't look visually interesting whenever Icarus flies. I think it does. I think the super speed is very good for Makari. I think her name good. is. Yeah. I, there's. There's. Yeah. I guess the, with, with the Eternals, there's nothing necessarily different. It's just pretty standard stuff, yeah. really. It's just a man floats up and flies. Yeah. yeah basically. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think it, this one. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like such a distinct visual. It wasn't like the time in a bottle X Men difference of like how it's normally portrayed. But like, it's very. I just thought it was visually interesting, nice and bright, and I. I like the goofy. The first time you see the um the first time you see Adam Warlock and he's like there's that song that goes ding 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 and he's just flying with his face just pointed directly at the lens moving slowly it's, forward. It's, it's a strange shot, but, yeah, but it's great. Weirdly interesting. <laughs> yeah, and that but that's yeah, I don't know, it is more fun. And I think like a lot of the camera work in this like and this is kind of I guess budgetary stuff as well, but also like maybe just a better DPs. I don't know who shot a lot of the Marvel movies, but like hmm. the, the, the way stuff reveals itself in this, like the, the appointment with Gamora, how Peter, like it's on Peter and then it spins round to reveal Gamora coming through the crowd. Is something. Mm. Why is one of the Ravagers a wizard? <laughs> <laughs> what would you find? They're not, it, 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 like in, in Doctor Strange 1, it was quite exclusive, but then like in the end of the second one, they're like, it's just a school. Like, <laughs> come here. Yeah, but like did this, Weird fish guy go to that school. I guess so. But like, <laughs> oh, look, if you're giving, if you're saying that, then 
you have to pull up a big criticism on <laughs> somehow Ned is a sorcerer in No Way Home. No, but like, like he's <laughs> he he's just figuring out in that movie though. Yeah, like he he just picked up the sling ring and is like kind of just figuring out as he goes along. But like this guy's a full wizard. Yeah, but that, like, that's he's like making... non like Ravengers are all ex ex somethings that are now weirdo thieves. Yeah, but he's a big fish guy. <laughs> he's fine. He can be a fish. He can... Did he go to Kamataj? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there's loads of fucking... There's loads of weird fucking things at Doc, strange, in Doctor Strange's right? school of wiz- wizardry and stuff. It's true. There was that big bull guy. It, oh, Multiverse of Madness. We forgot Multiverse of Madness. Oh, we did. I liked that movie. Um, I like that one a lot as well. Yeah. yeah. So maybe not my favourite, because that's probably my favourite. Yeah. Um, definitely more interesting good. than Eternals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's good. It's good. Um, I saw. Sorry, I just saw a tweet that had like a picture of Killian Murphy's Oppenheimer and Brian Tyree Henry from Eternals, and it just said these two canonically have beef because, like, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, that's funny. Very, very funny. Um, oh, that is funny. <laughs> we, we've we've been going a while. Do you want to do some some quick things and then wrap up the yeah, ending? Yeah, I was I was going to suggest some quick things to try and get through the rest. Um, first of all, Mantis. I always love Mantis. Mm. Um, she's, I always love new and interesting ways to see her powers done mm. and how she can like get her like fighting people and being like, oh, you're a kitty cat or whatever. <laughs> it's just very funny. And it's like, <laughs> you're, you're madly in love with him. And Drax is just like, oh, oh God. <laughs> Drax just so uncomfortable. Just being like, thank you. <laughs> but it's like, it's so accurate as well. Like, like that yeah. is that is how people talk if they're being hit on and they're just not a fan. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah, cool. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Um, oh, <laughs> it's very good. Uh, I put down the uh, action geography and choreography in the No Sleep Till Brooklyn sequence. Oh, so good. So fucking good. Yeah. What is it about hallway fights that <laughs> are so satisfying, man? But like, what is it? Just like, also remember that like half of that shit, like, is practical and half of it is CG. Like, yeah. rehearsing that must have been a fucking murderous, torturous process. Yeah, it's definitely cheated. It's not a full one shot because there's definitely cuts in it. Yeah, but it's great though. It's it's still great. Yeah, I also think like one takes. Yeah, they're good, but like also a lot of the time they're impossible. Like ni- yeah. the movie nineteen seventeen was built off of being like we're the one take movie, and there's like a hundred shot like cuts just just hidden behind walls and stuff, so you don't see it. I would say nineteen seventeen. Um, there's a we'll get to it and still got legs, but there's a fun one shot. In uh, series seven, which I can always very clearly notice the cuts in, but it's still quite interesting. It, but it's great because it like it goes from the Doctor being on the ground in London to running into the TARDIS, yeah. to flying somewhere, to getting out of the TARDIS in a new location, and all of that in one shot. That's impressive uh, for Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah, that is that is quite impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, those are good little things. Cosmo, um. I like Cosmo a lot. I fucking love that, like, Cosmo's whole uh, arc and thing is just, like, you called me a bad dog, and I fucking hate this because I'm a good dog. That's so funny. I I like that it's, like, Kraglin has always been the side character of these things as well, but, like, in this movie especially, like, it cuts back to them. They're they're on, like, a world... Not, like, a world... They're on a very important mission to save Rocket's life, and it cuts back to them, and they're all just playing cards, and and they're still (laughs) arguing about... Craglin calling her a bad dog. 
And everyone's like, Craglin, just tell her she's a good dog. <laughs> and he's like, nope. And they're like, ah! Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> but I like that, that to Cosmo, that is the absolute worst thing yeah. imaginable. <laughs> it's, it's that whole thing of dogs just love being called good dogs, but hate being called bad dogs. Yeah. It's, it's very funny. It's great. My dog <laughs> has a little crush on Cosmo, the space dog. Now, does she? If, oh, Rosie, is Rosie a, a lesbian? <laughs> she might just be. Rosie's a lesbian queen, is she? <laughs> but every time Cosmo was on the screen, there's a few close-ups of Cosmo. Um, and obviously, because there's no mouth movement, they they do a lot of the like the physical movement. Like, they get the dog to turn its head and move yeah. a lot. And Rosie was just, like, following intently. Like, she got off the sofa <laughs> and, like, went up to the screen and was, like, looking. Oh, did she? Yeah, it was very, very, very <laughs> cute. Um, it's always interesting whenever pets watch TV. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I'm like, what is it about this that grips you here? Like, <laughs> yeah. what is it that is intriguing? Like, Rosie's done it before see, with I'm... Doctor Who, and I'm like, what part of this is for you? <laughs> <laughs> I always see clips on TikTok of, like, pets just fully watching The Lion King. They yeah. fucking love The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tested that one out with her yet. I'll, I'll have to do that. Yeah, let's put it on. Um, yeah, uh, Maria Bakalova does a great job mm. um, uh, as Cosmo, and I, I like how that it's it's a good payoff for that kind of mini arc as well, where where Craglin does eventually call her a good dog as she like fucking slams that yeah um, uh, pig or whatever into the ground. Oh yeah. Um, what else? Any other little things? Um, not so much the little thing, more the just the. Um... The, the, one of the like the harshest coldest lines in this whole thing is when like mm. peter is cutting into the the like the the flesh planet or like station um, yeah. and he's speaking to gamora privately and he's like we were so like we disclosed everything to each other we knew each other so well and she's like yeah one second quinn and just calls him by the wrong name and it's just like oh god <laughs> yeah. a thousand knives just went in um very uh, again very funny joke in that scene as well with the whole com thing that's that's very funny. oh yeah and how like man to test it mantis would have we've we like we've been in the scenario where like i'm like hang on can you hear me does my mic sound all right imagine yeah. the way we tested it was just me being like hello and like <laughs> Yeah. Like just yeah, just going crazy down the mic. Uh, I like that Peter. Um, that they kind of give confirmation that Peter never actually wanted to go back to Earth. Mm. Like Peter purposefully was avoiding Earth for so long, which is something I've always kind of figured to be the case. Yeah, but like I feel like a lot of people have always been like, oh, why doesn't he make a big deal of being back on Earth on Endgame? Like cause he doesn't want to be here. Yeah, it's like where his life was ruined and he's traumatized from permanently. He, so, he's like, very comfortable with his fighting arena in Endgame looking like grey, muddy sludge. And is just like, yeah. this Yeah, this doesn't really look like Earth and then I'm going to dip. So I, as far as I'm concerned, I was never here. I'll stick around for this robot dude's funeral or whatever. Yeah. Let him off. Like, <laughs> One thing I was thinking, like, did his granddad like see him on the news or anything? Like, well, his granddad recognizes him, which is interesting because he was an eight-year-old boy. Yeah. And now he's And not Chris Pratt, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and not Chris Pratt, and now he is fully grown, fifty-year-old Chris Pratt. Did he have? That's did he have his backpack well. on? Did he have like his childhood backpack? He did have his backpack, and he was dressed kind of similarly, but still. I mean, though, it's still that's... adult man Chris. There's a there's a thing in this where he's like, where he's got a beard and a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a fun line in this where Peter goes like, um, like Earth people only live till fifty, and Mantis like, so you've only got like you're you're almost dead, and he's like, I'm not fifty, you're forty-four, Chris Pratt. <laughs> You're I, I looked it up. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like delay this movie yeah. a couple more years, <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll see. One thing, uh, Gamora. So I said at the beginning they have to catch people up to speed. 
like they're like someone says like since Gamora died, Peter's been dreaming. Oh yeah, they do a quick run through. Don't they, they they do, yeah. but how they wave that off? <laughs> Kraglin literally just after hearing it goes, "No one tells me nothing," and walks off. <laughs> it's like that's funny. Fine, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is <laughs> absolutely sure. fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, they they brush over Peter's alcoholism pretty quickly. Yeah, he's very quickly not an alcoholic anymore. Yeah, because yeah, the start of the movie is. Very clearly a depressed alcoholic. He's like dribbling just... while standing. Yeah. Like it, it's not... I don't know. I think they maybe lean too far into the visual language of him being yeah, an alcoholic. Probably. Yeah. Because it's like um, Nebula puts him to bed or whatever, and then it's just kind of pretty much forgotten about yeah. for the rest of the movie. And, and like, later on, he's like, he's like, oh, if I wasn't drinking, I could have done better. And then spends the rest of the movie being extremely competent. <laughs> yeah. And like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, like... Uh, every now and again, I remember, I have to remember, remind myself that like he's, he, I know he has like the ego in him and all of this, but like as far as I'm concerned, in Volume Two, he gave that up. Yeah, he doesn't have any uh, enhancements anymore. He's human. Fully. Yeah, so it's like, and there's certain things he's doing, like he's doing. That's like a man in his. I guess, I guess the movie wants me to believe he's in his thirties. He's not, but that's fine. He's not. He's not. <laughs> no, but like the man is that he's doing like knee slides, spinning round, and like yeah. two gun in it, and I'm like. I don't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your back is probably aching quite a bit right now. Yeah, and also, like, you just got shot. Like, mm. y- you will yeah. have got shot at one point. Like, Groot can't be everywhere to be your wall against. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. But, yeah. Um, uh, um, fucking Rocky, what's his name? Uh, Sylvester Stallone. He's, he's doing the voice on purpose now. Like, he's, Yeah, he has to be. <laughs> he has to be. It's days. way too... <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're the ravagers. <laughs> there's a there's a moment where like Drax is like, "Have you got any of different colors? Like this doesn't match my eyes." He's like, "What did you say?" I'm like, "What did you say?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Slow down, Sylvester. Or speed up. I don't quite know what the problem is. Yeah, yeah, it's strange. Um, very quickly, uh, problem might be a good note to end on, but um, music has always been such a a big part of this franchise and these movies. Uh, what do you think of the the mix, the the soundtrack for these. Uh, so definitely deeper cuts. Like yes. there's no more Marvin yeah. Gaye. Um, yeah. Very. But like ones that I've some I'd heard um, mainly from like my dad listening to them. Um, yeah. But then like other ones I've I've been listening to and they've been on the playlist since watching Guardians three. Um, yeah. I think there's a healthy mix. I think there's a healthy mix of like melancholy, sad, like the the one that I. I don't know what it's called. It's probably Do You Realize, but the one where Peter is just kind of contemplating while on the ship. And it's yeah. And it's very slow. Do you realize? And it's just very That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Just the yeah, just very like I don't know. It's nice. And I f- yeah. and I feel like a lot of it has a bit more weight to like the first two are fun. This one's more yeah. like this is more meaningful. I um, think it's it, yeah, it is probably more thematically um, mixed. Well, I guess more thematically on point. Um, I, it's probably my least favorite of the three, though. Do you think? In terms of soundtracks, yeah, yeah. I think two two is the peak for me. Yeah, yeah. also two is great, volume yeah. two. Two is just banger after banger. <laughs> after, two is just. There is not a miss on that soundtrack. And it's it's so good. They they use two in like different ways as well. Like the um 
using Fleetwood Mac for an action sequence, never heard of before, but inspired yeah. choice, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so good. For me, with um, Volume 3, I mean, the best ones, this is uh, great, but it's more because of the moment. <laughs> it's a great yeah. moment. Obviously, I'm going to love this whenever you play it because it's just an absolute... Yeah. Absolute great banger. song um and 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 again just a beautiful moment in the end you have everyone dancing celebrating um back on nowhere and stuff um but other than these two there's not really anything that stands out to me that's fair really. i think there's also like the there's a more more of a focus on the underscoring of this as well like the actual original composed pieces yeah. which is weird because like when when the Guardians theme kicks in, it is great as well, though. Like, it, it is great, but it's sparingly used. Yeah. I wish it was more often. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so loud in my headphones. Turn off floor. Oh, is it? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like listening to what you're saying. I'm like, I think I caught that. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, there's 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 one moment. Is I guess it doesn't really count because it's in a post-credit scene. But like one of the needle drops is like a song from the first movie, and it's like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but that's like it's he's talking about like musical artists and he's like this one holds some meaning and I'm like and it does for the audience as well yeah <laughs> because Very of nice. the movies that we watched yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um last last little thing I'll say just because I, I um yeah I, I wrote it down and I think it's interesting like the so like obviously at the end I'll speed run this. The 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 ending is very sad. It's designed to be a satisfying finale and conclusion to these characters in general. Mm. Um, even though like Groot and um, uh, Rocket stay on in the team, like I don't think we're seeing these guys again. I don't um, think so either. No, or maybe, but they're the two easiest ones to have. Yeah, be seen again because it's mostly voice work and then Sean Gunn who has said that he just loves doing this. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. So anyway, like Nebula builds, what I put down is Nebula builds, like gets to build a better childhood that she never got for these kids. Um, Drax regains his ability to be a dad again, instead of a destroyer. Mantis doesn't, is no longer like in servitude to anyone. She can just do her thing. Mm. Um, Peter finally acknowledges his trauma, returns to earth and kind of patches old wounds. And Rocket is a leader. And like we said earlier, kind of like a, he 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 makes the world a better place, but not in that horrific way that it can only like he uses his head and his mind, but he uses that himself and not sharing it with like a species or whatever. Yeah. Um. But so I've put down like stakes. This movie has incredibly high stakes, but their stakes don't always mean like life and death. It means that like by the end of this franchise and this trilogy, they've all kind of defeated the thing that made them who they were and the thing that they couldn't get past, like the the pain that defined them in a way. Uh, and they all get to kind of move past that. And I just think, yeah, it'd be, I think genuinely, as much as I'd love to see these characters again, I think it would be a shame to see them again because now they feel complete in a way. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I like the fact that they all made it out, really, because there was a lot of talk during the marketing campaign and like who is going to die and is it going to be Rocky? is it going to be Quill this sort of stuff and people possibly being disappointed that they all survived um, I, I'm, I, I, I don't know I, I'm never someone who thinks like death is the only stake or death is like the only option yeah. available there's always so much more interesting um, and different options out there really um, so, so I like that they all made it out and they do have purpose um, beyond this movie now and stuff. I've 
I'll never say no to seeing any of them again. I'll never say no, but I but to me I think this is a good fitting ending for them all. Yeah. Really. I so so yeah. I uh, I think it would be weird to see it extended in a way like what I do you know what I would fucking hate is mm. you know how like sometimes like a Marvel character has just sticks around. Yeah. Like I I tell you what, like I haven't seen Secret Invasion. Maria Hill. Yeah. Has not done a single plot relevant thing since maybe ten years ago. Oh I disagree with that. Do you think? Yeah. What 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 was the last thing she was in other than like Spider Man? And I like in my mind, it's genuinely like Age of Ultron, Spider Man. I th- she was in Secret Invasion. I think did she die? She did die in Secret Invasion. Yeah, spoiler alert. Okay. Um, that wasn't a, a, a sneaky scroll. No, no, it was her. Um, okay. um, oh, I don't know off the top of my head, but she has been relevant. I don't think she's just been there in the background. In the movie she's been in, she has been utilized well and stuff. I think. I don't. I know. I know. Maybe maybe it's a poor example, but like. My point is I never I don't want to see these characters become background dressing to another story. Like they all deserve their own stories and their own ending and they got it. Everett Ross would have been a better example. Everett Ross is a perfect example, <laughs> yeah. Just there to be a guy that's there. And a scroll. And as uh, was he a scroll he as well? A scroll. Yeah. Fuck me, who gives a <laughs> shit? <laughs> what what did you th- like, just just quick thought? Like, I didn't watch any I don't know the first thing about Secret Invasion other than Rhodey ended up being a scroll. Yeah. Like, yes. What did what did you make of it all? Um Some of it was intriguing, okay? I, I, I liked it for the most part. Yeah. Um I, f- I felt like it was a it was a good mystery. I didn't hate it like most people did. Um wasn't great amazing by any stretch i think there was good performances from um amelia clark who i absolutely love um i'll watch amelia clark in anything um olivia coleman was great um and i hope to see more of her character because she's very interesting um nick fury sam sam jackson was fine whatever um and um the the villain uh gravic um was was particularly very uh, very interesting and a really great performance from him. Um, Fairly new, like upcoming actor, right? Yeah, it was one of the Kens in. in yes, so maybe you're saying. Yeah. Um, but but overall, it it was is is a bit messy and oh, Mendelssohn as well. Great performance from Mendelssohn, um, who mm. who died unfortunately. Um, but R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a bit the the finale was a bit of a mess. And it well, the whole show was a bit of a mess, to be honest. But it was yeah. interesting. Uh, okay, yeah, fair enough. I I enjoyed it more than most, but also I can see why people didn't enjoy it because yeah, it does. It's one have... of them where it's like it doesn't really invoke any strong reaction either way. Yeah, it it makes some strange choices, and um, and there's like I I. The whole Rhodey being a scroll thing, like, I I cannot see him being a scroll in Endgame at all. I I just can't. Like, it doesn't make any fucking. It sense. makes no sense. Like, you look at his reaction to Tony Stark dying. Like, yeah, no. that's a man saying goodbye to his friend of decades. Yeah, yeah. Especially the way he's like characterized in Secret Invasion as a scroll. Like, it it makes no sense. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's strange. 
Um, well, there we there we are. But yeah. Um. Yeah. Guardians three overall, very good time. Uh, well, no, actually, quite a horrifically sad time. But yeah. A, I, I yeah, great movie. A I think. good movie. And also, well, I tell you what. One last question: Where are you at with like? So I I said this to you a while ago. Like it's these are the last kind of characters I really have space in my heart for. Like I care about quite a lot from MCU stuff, especially like the early days of M. Not early days, but like the that like I I was really like vibing with like Phase Two. That was my shit. I love that. Mm. And then like these are a continuation on, and they're kind of the last the last of that era to fall and to to have their trilogy capped off and to no longer be a consistent part of that story going forward. So my thing was like, I'm not, like I said, I haven't watched Secret Invasion. Like a lot of Marvel stuff that's come out recently, I've just kind of, if I haven't, like I haven't seen some of the TV show stuff because if I haven't needed to see it for work, I tend to now miss it. Where are you at with like this being like a jump off point, which some people are treating it, and I'm I'm one of them, but I'm kind of dipping my toe back in if stuff interests me. Yeah. Um. No, I'll stick around. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm. I've I, I've never been someone that's like, oh, Marvel's done or whatever. Like I'm like, sure, some of the recent stuff not been great. Again, Quantumania, not necessarily good. Secret Invasion, definitely a mixed bag. Um. But I'm looking forward to the Marvels. I'm, you know, I'm excited to see Loki season two. Seems quite interesting. That does um, look quite good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I I watch what comes out. I'm, you know, I won't probably won't love everything, or maybe I will. Who knows? But yeah, I'll I'll see what happens. Okay. I'm I'm not like I'm not like. Yes, I'm done. Or like, yes, I'm fully in. Like, I'll watch the movies. Man. <laughs> I yeah, know. two hours is not. Yeah, yeah, it's not a whole sacrifice. I'm not like, gonna be like, no, I refuse to watch this movie now because yeah. I am done. No more Marvel. No, but like, my my thing is like, if it if it strikes my interest, like Loki season two, it looks cool. It looks good and it looks well mm. done. So like, I'm quite excited to see that. Um, that that trailer is hiding Jonathan Majors. <laughs> Apparently he's only in that one scene. He's only in the one... I... If that is true, it was not that's... intended to be the case. That's that's when I've... Oh, like, I say the one scene, probably like the one episode or whatever. But Yeah. He's like he's not playing like multiple Kangs. He's like that one version of him, whatever he's called. Mm. Like, Mr. Look at me, I'm an old-timely wizard. Mr. I made the light bulb or whatever he's in in, in that... Mr. I'm that Chris Nolan movie or whatever. <laughs> Was there a Chris Nolan movie about making a light bulb? No, the wizard movie. What's the... Hugh Jackman. Oh. Hugh Jackman's a wizard. Yes. Hugh Jackman's a wizard, the movie. Yeah. Oh, the pre- the prestige. <laughs> yeah, the prestige. <laughs> so lost for a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> recommendations, Nathan. I've gone first the last couple of weeks and I'll put cards on the table. I'm not sure what mine's going to be this week. So you go first. Fair enough. Um, I would recommend anyone who has a spare ticket to the Eras Tour to give it to me because I want to go. And I can't get fucking tickets. I've been trying. I've been trying, Lawrence. I've been trying so hard to get tickets. I know you have. I almost offered to use my card the other week and it still you did, didn't work. But it didn't fucking work because of Axis's bullshit payment system. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Um, 
I, I, I seriously, I would recommend um, Taylor Swift's Folklore, which is my favorite album of hers. It's a great album. Which one um, is that? What, what songs are on that one? Uh, Last Great American Dynasty, Exile, August, The One, uh, This Is Me Trying. I don't hits. know any of these, but I feel like I'll have heard them. Sing me a chorus You'll... of one of them. I can do better than that. No, I want to hear you sing it, Nathan. Listen to those keys. I hear those keys. Listen to the sweet sounds of Bon Iver's voice. <laughs> I can see you standing, honey, with his arms around your body, laughing. I think I've seen this film before. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so right. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I didn't like the ending. Yeah, that one, that one. Yeah. Um it's a great song. Great song. She recently uh played it as the um the surprise song uh Eras tour in, in LA. Um so yeah, I'd recommend that. Um I'd also recommend nineteen eighty nine, but Taylor's version isn't out yet. That's just been announced that'll come out in October. So hold um, off, otherwise you're putting like... money in terrible people's pockets, right? Yes. Yeah. Nineteen eighty nine is a very good album as well. That was that was probably the first Taylor Swift album like I really listened to. Yeah, um, very good. Some good songs on that as well. I like I like her new one, and I like um, I like Red. Red's a good one. I quite Red enjoy. is a good album, and you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Nathan is adamant <laughs> about getting us sued this week. And uh, you know what? Just just while um, Lawrence tells us about his recommendation, it might not just... fit. <laughs> uh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Anyway, Lawrence, please. Okay. <laughs> this is not at all distracting with another song going on in my head. <laughs> can I turn this down in post? I can turn it down now. Oh, yeah. Just a, just a teeny bit. <laughs> is it not turning down for you? Yeah, that did. That did, yeah. Okay. Um, my recommendation uh, is a movie um, that I watched for the first time that I feel like... I can't remember if it's one you've been badgering me to watch, but I was... I was kind of, I was working, my wife is off work, and she was like, I'm going to watch a movie. I was like, great, sounds like a good time. And it was one of those movies that I was corner of my eye watching until eventually I was like, I have to put down my work and watch this movie now because I'm quite invested. Uh, and that movie is Burlesque. I haven't seen that. Was that not one that you've been telling me about? <laughs> no, I don't even know what that is. It's a good one. It's got it's, um, Christina Aguilera, it's got Cher in it. Oh, yeah. Um yeah, it's about Cher owns a burlesque club, and Christina Aguilera is a small town girl with big town dreams. Oh, she, okay. And she moves into the she moves not a penny to her name. She has to crash with the bartender of the club as she struggles to make her make a name for herself in the burlesque club. And she she changes it. She, there's there's a policy on no singing, just dancing. She's like, I've got a great voice because I'm Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Um, it look. Don't get me wrong. It was. I've always I've been guilty of being like, what does it mean if it doesn't mean something? Am I going to enjoy it? It's a movie that is about absolutely nothing other than burlesque. That's very much you. Yeah. <laughs> but and, what is the meaning? <laughs> but I like I like it, but but like mm. I don't know. Yeah. This and so I was very much like, I, I I turned to my wife halfway through watching it and I was like, is this is this about something? And she was like, no. Yeah, it's about burlesque. And I was like. Okay, I think I'm on board now. <laughs> now I can relax. Like I'm looking for a deeper meaning. There isn't one. It's just people dancing. Ugh. 
Roger, you're but, exhausting. But yeah, um, yeah, go check it out. Good movie. Um, I was yeah, under the impression I've that never, never heard of that. So that definitely wasn't me. It's 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 up your street. I feel like you'd enjoy it. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's. I was under the impression that Cher couldn't act from her contributions to Mamma Mia 2. I was wrong. Yeah. She can act. Mm, well, there you go. So yeah. yeah. Well done, Ma- Cher. Mamma Mia 2 has got some odd performances from some renowned actors though so it really does she's not the only one in that movie Dominic Cooper we're looking at you <laughs> I feel like most of the class to be honest are just like yeah I'll, I'll take 10 million dollars yeah and a, and a party <laughs> and a holiday to Greece <laughs> yeah a, a 10 million dollar holiday to Greece <laughs> yeah that you don't pay for you paid the 10 million to go there <laughs> yeah exactly. great stuff um um, yeah, that's 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 me. That's that's this. There we go. There we go. Two hours this recording. I know this. I was like, once we got to the hour mark, I was like, right, let's try and wrap this up. And now, here we are, two hours in, uh, almost. Um, we'll so, have to you know, shave this. We'll shave this down a little bit, I reckon. Yeah. Um, hey. There but anyway, we go. if I don't do that and you have put stuck around, thanks for that. Um, and your reward is that you get to find out what we're doing next week, which is this. It's you not Jedi inter- Survivor. You can't interrupt Taylor Swift, so I'll just oh, tell no. everyone now it's How to Train Your Dragon. Are you leaving my pause there as well? Yeah. Well, no, you can- I'm not. What do you mean, me? Oh, yeah, it's me. Yeah. It's coming out tomorrow morning, mate. Oh, my God, i got to edit this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah. If it, uh, it, it shouldn't be late, but if it's late, it's because I'm on a driving lesson. Leave me alone. Well, there we go. I, that's what I'd recommend. I'd recommend learning to drive for everyone. You've already done your recommendation. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I have. Uh, if you've enjoyed this new episode of this show, come out every single Friday at 10 a.m. Uh, you can give us a little oh, just follow. One moment. Oh, fuck's sake. Oh. Tell audience what show Nathan doesn't edit. <laughs> Nathan, turn this down. She demands respect, Lawrence. My apologies. Um, <laughs> yeah. You completely fucking throw me off my throne. <laughs> like, uh, Review the show. Give it five stars. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, on threads. They're the only ones we're posting, I think. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, at another happy pod, uh, and we have another podcast as well. But Nathan, I would love to know what you think that podcast is all about. <laughs> well, I can tell you. I don't need to give my thoughts on it. I can just, <laughs> I can straight tell you, Lawrence. It's not an issue for me. Fair uh, enough. It's called Still Got Legs. It's all about Doctor Who. Every week we watch an episode of Doctor Who, not in random order, in the order they came out for the revival, anyway. Um, and uh, go through and discuss it. So join us. We're making our way through season three at the moment, uh, and it is a good, fun time for the most part. Um, so yeah, come along. That comes out every Monday at ten a.m. Again, mostly. Fantastic news. Uh, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> goodbye, guys. Like I'm paralyzed by it 
like to be my old self again, but I'm still trying to find it after plaid shirt days and nights when you made me your own. Now you mail back my Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.